We are the Ballbusters. Your sports news podcast on Unbenched. Breaking the glass ceiling through sports. morning friends um welcome back to Ballbusters. lucky episode number 13 i can't believe we're here um how's everyone feeling on this lovely habs can clinch a berth in the stanley cup final game six thursday i'm wearing a leaf shirt <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say i'm feeling lucky raptors got the number four pick in the draft so who knows casey maybe your habs gonna get lucky too Karina is my good luck charm. Um, I just feel the need to put that out there. Do a yeah, shirt. I thought I was out. Uh, you're wearing a leaf shirt. I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so, yeah, here we are. I've been counting down to 8 p.m. since I woke up at 11.30, and I actually got out of bed at 12 because then I said, well, it'll be closer to game time and I'll have less time to kill. So that's how I prepare for game days. How about you? What's your pregame routine for when you're overly emotionally invested in what a bunch of men do on knife shoes on ice let us know anyways we are gonna dive right into it because our basketball expert has to go be a basketball expert very shortly so karina take it away nba yeah so for the first time in like what feels like two months i want to say we have a raptors update which is crazy absolutely crazy so the draft lottery took place the other night the raptors fell into the top four and they got the number four pick in the draft that is absolutely insane i didn't have that much faith that things would go our way like that like i was set on you know a seventh or eighth pick and with every like every time they announced it, I was like, oh my god, the Raptors aren't there. The Raptors aren't there. And they would like count down and then they moved up to the top four. And I was like, this is insane. And so now we have the number four pick. Detroit got their first pick, which I feel like they'll somehow mess it up because they like to mess things up. But the the people that are kind of expected to be drafted are like, you know, Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and then the battle of the Jalens. So there's Jalen Suggs and there's Jalen Green, both of who, whom can even be like three or four. Obviously, there's like a lot of people who are into the draft and into that stuff. They're a lot smarter than me. The consensus seems to be around Jalen Suggs. Like I said, to me, it doesn't really matter who we get out of these four. I think the fact that we're this high in the draft is great for this team because they're going to return to being a high-level team next season anyway. Um, so whoever we get, really, whatever Jalen we get, we're going to have a lot of Jalens on the team now with Jalen Harris as well. So I'm excited. I'm happy. It was very, it was very exhilarating. Uh, I, I originally didn't care too much, but it, it's nice to win something every now and then. And the final part of our Raptors update, it was just, I just want to give a little bit of props to OG Anunoby because out of everyone on our team, I think he's the only one who is participating in the Olympics this year. And he says, I think it's rumored that he's going to represent Team Nigeria. He reportedly received an invitation to go play on the team. I think he's going to be great for them. Um, I'm glad that OG's getting some reps in basketball again. I was a little bit surprised because the USA roster got announced, what, yesterday? And I was expecting, like, maybe Fred Van Fleet would have made it. He didn't, but at least we have one Raptor in the Olympics somehow. 
good luck to OG. I'll be cheering him on in the Olympics. Guys, do we have any thoughts on the on the draft pick, on OG playing in the Olympics? I love how you're counting the fourth overall pick as winning something, even though it's because we lost the lottery. Like, how desperate are Raptors fans for a win? That they're, like, coming fourth in something that we had a chance to come first in? That's a win. Like, oh, my God, we've been through pain <laughs> genuine pain okay but the, the chances of the raptors getting the first pick is like was really low yeah it was like 7.5 yeah. yeah yeah it's so like i guess yeah no it's a win to move that high up but it's the way that karina was like it's nice to win something and it's like we didn't win anything well it's it's <laughs> like it's like our season in tampa had something good come out of it which was this i guess do you want to hear my like super amazing comparison between basketball and hockey right now the raptors getting the first pick the chances of that would have been the equivalent of asking casey in the first round are the habs going to make it to the semifinals <laughs> <laughs> yep yep that's that's amazing oh my god but yeah you know like i told you i'm feeling lucky i'm very happy with this usually like with the Raptors, they've only made me happy, like, you know, a small amount of times. So it's always better to have low expectations because now I'm just pleasantly surprised. Okay, done with the Raptors update. Let's move on to the coaching carousel because, as we know, last time we had an episode, there was like six or seven open head coach spots in the NBA. That has been moved down. The Celtics hired Nets assistant Ume Udoka like two days ago I've heard nothing but good things it'll be interesting to see how how he's gonna fit in as a head coach today the so when we're recording Thursday the Pacers hired former Mavs coach Rick Carlisle and this was I'm very happy for my friends who cover the Pacers this was like a surprise to me I knew Rick Carlisle was going to get a job somewhere he's a really good coach he said something today that made me kind of like shake my head a little bit. He says that he hopes the Mavs get Jason Kidd as their head coach and that him and Luca have a lot in common. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he's just trying to add like gasoline to the fire and just kind of like shit on his like organization that he just left. If that's what it is, like I kind of could like commend him for it. Like that's pretty funny. I, otherwise, I really hope he was he didn't actually mean that because Jason Kidd, as we've mentioned before, should not have a job in the NBA. This is a, I think this is a good hire for the Pacers. He's a smart coach. I think what's left now is to kind of figure out roster stuff uh, because he, obviously he's not going to solve everything. But moving on to a more exciting piece of coaching news, Becky Hammond passed the second round of interviews for the Portland head coach job. Um, it was reported that she's getting a second interview with them. And it seems like we're getting close to her actually being chosen somewhere. Casey, I know you were super excited about this. So what were your thoughts on that? I, okay, we'll start with this. If the NBA doesn't hire a female head coach this season with as many openings and as many quality candidates as there are, I don't ever want to hear the excuse of like, oh, there was just no one fit for the job. No, it's because you're sexist. Like if you can do that this year of all years. I'm sorry, no, I don't want to hear it. Becky Hammond was tailor-made to be a NBA head coach. 
And I don't think anyone can deny that anymore. And I would really like people to stop trying. I would love to see her in Portland. I saw someone that was like, she deserves to go to Portland and then have Ben Simmons be her like project. So have Simmons get traded to Portland and then have Becky Hammond be the one that like revives his career because right now that man will be lucky to see the floor ever again. And I would love that. I want her to get every opportunity. I want her to be cemented as one of the top coaches. And I really hope Portland is the team that she can do that with. Also, on the note of Ben Simmons, I didn't quite realize like how bad he was until I saw one very specific comparison. Obviously, it was football. So I was like, wow, Ben Simmons like is off. But like, okay, what does that mean? And then I go on Twitter and Carson Wentz is trending. I'm like, why is Carson like we're not in football season? And Carson Wentz was trending because everyone was saying that Ben Simmons is the Carson Wentz of basketball. And then it all clicked because Carson Wentz, in my opinion, and most people's opinions, is a bust. And he was lured as this like savior quarterback for Philadelphia, this, that, and the other thing. They're like, he led them to a Super Bowl. No, he did. He didn't play in the Super Bowl. First of all, he was hurt. He had 11 or 12 or whatever good games. And then he broke his leg and he's been injury prone since. And he got traded out of Philadelphia because he was god awful and didn't deliver on any expectations and now this team that he's on now the coach is tasked with rebuild Carson Wentz fix Carson Wentz which is exactly the narrative we're seeing with Ben Simmons if he gets shipped anywhere else that head coach's first task well first task is win a ring second task redo Ben Simmons like hit reset hard r command r on Ben Simmons factory default Ben Simmons and it's just funny that both athletes are from philadelphia like philadelphia really likes to take these guys that are going to save the future and then do nothing with them oh yeah um, and that that's like a whole big issue for another pod uh philadelphia and what they do with their as like an eagles fan that shit hurted casey but it was the truth i was gonna say show me where i lied you didn't like it sucked but is not that good y'all can sit down yeah i love how we started talking about becky hammond and it ended with ben simmons slander <laughs> that was a great that was a great thing all roads lead to ben simmons slander let's be real i think that is interesting because i have pondered a trade today the sixers came out and they said that they don't want to trade ben simmons and that him and doc rivers want to work together moving forward but I don't think you can ever take anything from that because they will say one thing and do another. I will never trust any team that comes out and is like, this person is not available for trade because Mark Bergevin said P.K. Subban was not being traded and three days later, P.K. Subban was no longer playing for the Montreal Canadiens. People lie. Everyone's like, who says, oh, they said they were untouchable. You know, people lie. And in sports, if you get that one call that's like, ooh, that's a really good deal for someone that's shown that they can't perform in the playoffs, when your job is to go win in the playoffs, you might just put the guy on an airplane and be like, have a nice life. I'll see you soon. Yeah, because the way I see it is that if Philadelphia actually, you know, is telling the truth and they decide to keep Ben Simmons, then I don't see Joel Embiid staying there for, you know, however long his contract expires in like two years. Trust so... the process, baby. <laughs> Trust the process. <laughs> Let's not forget when, like, the Raptors had the entire country of Canada convinced that DeMar DeRozan was never going to be traded and he would start and end as a Raptor. Like, 
disgrace. Exactly. Like, this is first and foremost a business, like, unfortunately. And I, and I, like I said, like, I was pondering a trade of Ben Simmons to Portland. I think that would be very interesting. And I think that if anyone's going to work with Ben Simmons and try to fix some of his things with his shot, why not Becky Hammond? I mean, she's under a Pops coaching tree, and I and I think that that gives her a next level of toughness and, and like, a next level of tolerance uh, with difficult players, and so I think she know how to handle him. So yeah, hopefully she does get a coaching job somewhere. Honestly, with the amount of spots open right now, you have room to hire several female head coaches, and I think that that would help take the pressure off a little bit without just hiring one. And so if if there was ever a time, it's now, and I really hope we do see that happen in the next couple of weeks or months or however long it takes. Okay, so let's actually move on to the playoffs. I'll start with the Western Conference, where the Phoenix Suns lead the Clippers 2-0. Game 2 was absolutely insane. There was, Phoenix was down by, I think it was like 1 or 2 points in the last like 0.9 seconds on the clock, and they had a play. They had to draw up a play. Jay Crowder lobs it to Aiton. Aiton slams it down, just tips it right in. And it goes from like 0.9 to 0.7, and the Phoenix is up. The last 90 seconds of that game took 33 minutes to go on because the refs were reviewing every single play, and I just feel like they took all the momentum out of the game, but it was an insane finish. It was an incredible finish by the Suns. Unfortunately for the Clippers, I mean, Kawhi is still not back. I don't see him coming back, like... (laughs) An ACL injury is pretty serious, whether it's a tear or not. Paul George is doing the best that he can, but we did receive word today that Chris Paul is back for the Suns. He's going to be out of health and safety protocols, which makes the Suns an even more dangerous team. And I just think that even if the Clippers were to steal a game, and it should have been this one, they can't come out of this series without Kawhi. It's it's just not looking good. Do we have any thoughts on the Phoenix Suns and the Clippers? No, I think um, what you said is exactly it like if they were going to steal a game it was going to be this one and that was their one kind of in to steal a game without their best player just with the way that it was going and especially kind of the way that the last i guess 33 minutes played out if that's what we want to call it now my dad used to always joke he's like yeah i don't bother watching basketball until the last two minutes because then i'll still get 45 minutes of content and it'll be the stuff that actually matters and my god was he not kidding um but i mean yeah if you're the clippers and i mean it's not just the clippers but any team like you're not winning in a semi-final without your best player whether they're on the floor and not performing or like not on the floor is also like two different stories high vegas mark stone three points in your last 13 games um but yeah no i really don't see how you can expect this la team to come back without their best player given that phoenix right now they're doing what no one thought they could do. And the motivation that that gives teams, I think, is something that can't be underestimated. And you're really not at this point going to beat them on will because they will outwork you every single night. I mean, hell, like Devin Booker, Pat- Patrick Beverly broke his nose like in game. He like head butted him and his like he had Devin Booker had to like leave the game for a couple of minutes because they had to like he was bleeding out of his nose. He comes back, his nose is the size of like a rock and he continues to play for the rest of the game. And I'm like, 
you broke this man's nose and you still <laughs> lost. Like I just, the, the Phoenix Suns are on a mission right now. And I just, I don't see the Clippers crawling out of this one as they have in the past two series. But enough about the Clippers. Let's... We love to see it. That's all I have. Sorry. Yeah, we love to see it. We love to see it. Uh, let's move on to the Eastern Conference where the Hawks lead the Bucks 1-0. And, you know, before the series... On another podcast, when I was asked to make a prediction, I was like very reluctant because I've been underestimating the Hawks for this entire playoffs. I, I didn't even have them coming out of the first round, and I was so wrong. I will own that. Trey Young, unfortunately, is say just something too nice good. right now. I dare you. <laughs> I dare you to say something nice. He's good. <laughs> He's- um he's just it's really unfortunate that I have to watch this series and cheer for someone because I just the Bucks can't seem to close or maintain any leads I get a gag reflex when they're leading I get a gag reflex when I see Trey Young leading the Hawks it's just not not a fun time for me <laughs> <Do I? laughs> no other analogies you can <laughs> that's literally what i feel it's not even an analogy it's like the truth <laughs> um yeah it's really unfortunate but on the hawks side so the hawks did win because what about the hawks karina huh what about the hawks <laughs> tell me what do you think can you tell i am not having fun anyway so the bucks it just they just seem to collapse like they can't close games out they can't maintain any lead that they do get on the Hawks side like I will fangirl a little bit about Clint Capella because he is very strong and despite you know having a ton of defensive pressure on him he's just been muscling through he's been really really good I've been actually pretty impressed with him especially in this first game and, you know, a lot of the blame, like people like to put the blame on Giannis, but I just don't think that's fair when you have a player like Middleton, who is supposed to be that guy that is closing out games for you and his jumpers are just kind of rimming out. I mean, what more can you like, what more can you do? And, you know, it's tough. Um, the Bucks losing game one is not a good look. I think that the Hawks see that they have a path through this series to make it to the finals. And at this point, I don't have confidence in... It doesn't make sense, but I don't have confidence in either team. Like, I still feel like it can go either way. It's just a matter of who can actually close games out and stop making mistakes. Do we have any thoughts? Does anyone here like Trey Young? Yes. I'm sorry, what kind of question is that? Only person on this freaking planet that doesn't like Trey Young. Apparently I'm not the only person, because I tweeted that out and a bunch of pe- a bunch of people were backing me up. So. Are those all the guys that are thirsty for you on Twitter? Let the record show that Krino is no longer in frame, suggesting that, yes, that is the case. Yes, my 5'10 Romanian queen. <laughs> Next question, please. Guys, I have a date on Saturday. I'm so nervous. My God, me too. What are the odds? Karina, don't flirt with me on the pod. God. Only only with you. So, I really like Trey Young. Like, I really like him. And I think in his earlier years, I knew that there was potential there. I just didn't think it would get to this point that, like, Karina would try to be like quirky or whatever by not liking Trey Young. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Other girls. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, just let me just let me just clear clear the record here. I am not a fan of his like antics. Like you know, he's become like the villain, and he's like okay. bowing and shushing and just you know shrugging and shimmying and all that stuff. I'm like I'm just not a fan of that. But I understand why people like it. I don't. I don't think I like it either because I think that's when like almost you start thinking that like the pride not I wouldn't say pride but the game gets to your head and mm-hmm. like in quotations good you are starts getting to your head when you're that guy in the NBA now and I'm not saying that's what happened with Trey Young but we've seen that before you know so- yeah and I think like I think if he were losing it would like make more sense to not like it but I think the fact that he is winning is just making me look really bad right now. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Out of the two teams, I would like the Bucks to win. But only because I think Giannis is so funny. But, okay, I don't. I feel like this is old now. But, like, do you know that free throw video where, like, he was like this and, like, the Knicks were – and everybody – not the Knicks. Oh, my God. The, the, Nets, yeah. the Nets fans were, like, really upset and – they were counting was, like frustrated and stuff mm-hmm. that's probably my favorite video of all time so yeah if i had to choose between the two i would go for the bucks but that's that's all um i still think like it was only a three-point loss for them i i don't know like it's just i think as long as the bucks kind of clean things up in the third and the fourth quarter then they can take control of the series and they can get out of it i mean i was so convinced that they were going to lose against the nets and that just didn't end up happening so at this point anything can happen in the eastern conference i'm just honestly done with predictions uh this has been the most (laughs) unpredictable year yet for the eastern conference the west obviously is a little bit easier now with the suns and the clippers playing but that pretty much wraps up the playoffs right now um no matter who makes it out of like the conferences it's gonna be a team that hasn't won a championship either ever or in a really really long time like since tv didn't have color um so yeah it's it's good for small market teams it's good for like new names and like players in the league that are not lebron james or steph curry and yeah that wraps up the nba segment now it's duo with hockey hello everybody here i am everyone's favorite i'm 20 years old guys i feel like a new person woohoo if you don't know what I'm talking about, my birthday was yesterday and I am committed to making it the biggest deal possible because I am a narcissistic piece of shit. All right, so here we go. Wait, did Faisal text you? Happy birthday? No. I told him to. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> I I'll wish yell he at him, did. it's okay. I wish he did. So everyone, we are going to talk about some hockey now i'm gonna really quickly go over the islanders versus lightning series because you know it's, it's not as important as the other one happening right now so the islanders tied the series last night in overtime which last night for us was tuesday night or no wednesday night sorry and it is tied 3-3. Game 7 is tomorrow, which is Friday, so you will know the outcome of this series and who is going to the Stanley Cup Final before this episode comes out. Casey, do you think the Islanders are going to the final? No, but I want them to. Do you want them to so I can go to an Islanders-Habs game? No, because if you buy tickets to that, you're going to tell me that you can't afford rent, and then I'm going to throw you off our balcony. 
because yeah (laughs) it'll be more than rent for like at least three months yeah um I hate the Tampa Bay Lightning I think they're boring um their players are annoying they're just very like uninspiring yeah they're also cheating yeah but like everyone else has done that so like I'm not overly mad but I mean yeah they are kind of but it was funny because the player that they're cheating with left last night's game injured and I was like well that sucks well okay um no I don't think the Islanders really have a shot wait that's kind of reminiscent of last year because he got injured in the playoffs last year and then didn't play for like yeah true you know but like I think the Islanders won last night because they were playing at home like I honestly think the MVP of the series for New York is their home fans Mm -hmm. because that building was I was struggling to hear the announcers on TV because of how loud the fans were yeah and after obviously a year of COVID it's so nice and I'm trying to ignore the fact that it's like definitely a super spreader event like god forbid oh absolutely but it's it was so nice to to have that experience again but um in Tampa game seven uh, with fans at higher capacity I mean Tampa fans are like aggressively average so I don't think (laughs) they're like you can't really like hate Tampa fans because it's like I get it you're like they're the team that's there and like they're not overly annoying but they're also just there yeah kind of like Tampa but Tampa's there and like wins but whatever can you tell I really don't like them um (laughs) yeah no New York doesn't I I don't see it happening congrats on them for getting to game seven but yeah is it safe to say that you're Trey Young (laughs) oh my god I will mute you (laughs) okay so the only reason I want to see the Islanders win is because next week I leave for New York. I will be in Long Island for like three weeks. So that means that the beginning of, or no, the middle of the finals, I guess, would be if like the Islanders made it there would be while I'm there. And I live 20 minutes away from the Coliseum. So, you know, if I don't want to pay rent for three months and get shoved off of a balcony from a place that we actually have because we signed a lease, woohoo, yay, everybody clap for us right now. They're all clapping. Thank you. So that's the only reason I want them to make it, but also because just like the, the lightning are boring and I want to have a good Stanley Cup final. But now we talk about two teams if either of them made it to, or not either of them, whoever makes it to the final from those two teams, it will be a very fun series to watch. The Habs versus the Vegas Golden Knights. So they could end the series today, the Habs. Um, And they're leading 3-2 right now. The Habs-Vegas game starts in approximately an hour and 26 minutes. Casey's very excited. She has been waiting for this moment all day i've heard her say can it be eight o'clock at least three times okay so there's a couple things i want to talk about first of all i've seen twitter going off about some holiday it is today in quebec like i'm happy um day of tabarnak it is la fête nationale de quebec otherwise known as saint jean baptiste otherwise known as if you're a francophone apparently you celebrate like my boyfriend's family is quebecois and I was like, oh, do you want to, like, chill here during the day before the game? He's like, no, I eat lunch with my grandma on St. Jean. And I literally went, I hate French people. 
um it's honestly the best way I can describe it and like this is probably a really bad timing given that we're not celebrating Canada Day this year I think we're all on the same page because genocide it's like Quebec's equivalent to Canada Day but like only for themselves so basically like if Quebec left Canada like they would still have their own Canada Day and it's all about French people and French things and really it's kind of just an excuse to get wasted in public to be honest which is why I'm genuinely concerned for the safety of any and everyone downtown if the Habs win tonight because there's going to be like your typical Saint-Jean drunkness and then the victory drunkness and it's going to be like I the, I tweeted I was like if the Habs clinch a berth in the Stanley Cup finals on Saint-Jean-Baptiste have the National Guard on standby and I'm not over exaggerating so so is yeah. it like St. Patrick's Day but for French people yeah basically where they get to like celebrate that they're like the center of the universe and how great la francophonie is and then us anglophones are like god I wish you had seceded from the country and we could like ship you off on an island (laughs) I wish okay yeah so the Habs have this perfect underdog storyline and I think it's very clear now that this happening wasn't an accident maybe making it to the second round was like a oh like yay like we did it making it to the semifinals was like oh my god I can't believe we're here but tonight they have the ability to make it to the Stanley Cup finals this is insane I say it every week if you are a Leafs fan that is shaming other Leafs fans who are cheering for the Habs I think you should rethink your life's decisions like stop were you not loved as a kid? <laughs> Karina's face right now. Anyways, I just want to, okay, Casey, let's talk about this. How did this happen? Why did this happen? What is going on? Speak. I'm genuinely confused. I don't know how we're here. And it's like, I literally, I, I had a vision the other night of Carey Price lifting the Stanley Cup and it was a foreign image. Like I was not expecting this to happen realistically in my lifetime but definitely not at least for the next like 30 years there's this team has no business being a win away currently from the Stanley Cup final even if they get swept in the Stanley Cup final like I'm not even going to care because the fact that they're going to they have a chance at getting there with no like your goalie is the one bona fide star but they don't have a Connor McDavid a Sidney Crosby a Steven Stamp they don't have an all-star player outside of their goalie and what's been even more impressive is I feel like since the Leafs series Price hasn't been asked to win a game alone on back-to-back nights sure there's been nights where the Canadians just like aren't on their game hello the night where they had eight shots by the end of the second period but that's what a team sport is about but with the Leafs game every single game it was the Toronto Maple Leafs versus Carey Price with Cole Caulfield in the press box for two of those games and you guys still lost but anyways And now they're rolling as a team. And it's so strange to watch because this has never happened. But also I saw someone say this and you guys might not get this because it was like a very specific Montreal pain. We had to sit through David Dernay in order to get Cole Caulfield. And you know what? I'm okay with that now. I remember being, I was at the Bell Center when Dernay was traded and it happened at intermission and they announced it on the Jumbotron and everybody cheered because he was as useless of a hockey player as you could get. 
but he was French as fuck. So that's why he was on the team. And now we have this thing called talent. And what I think is even funnier for all the traditionalist French people who are like, whatever, making big deals about when there was no Montreal natives or Quebec natives in the starting lineup. We have this thing called talent and the other team actually has more native Quebecers starting every night than we do. And I like personally as an Anglophone living in this province, having to listen to that discourse for so long, I just think is really funny, but they've started to play real hockey and play four line hockey. And you've got the young guys bailing out the old guys. You've got the old guys showing the young guys the way. And I hate to say it, but Mark Bergevin is looking really smart right now, which is a sentence I never really thought I would say out loud because you have your fourth line where their combined age is something like 107. Um, but they're doing what they're there to do. And it's fun to watch them get followed out by this line of 20 year olds that are like hopped up on caffeine probably, and just seem to be having the time of their life. I would die for Cole Caulfield and Tyler Toffoli, if I'm being hundred percent honest with myself. And yeah, it's just very fun, but I, I'm very scared for tonight because I'm overly emotionally invested in this. That was a really long tangent. You can cut half of that out. But I will not because, oh, you beauty. I just like listening to your voice. Two things I will mention, though. First of all, I needed to stop with the leaf slander and the Dua eating her word slander because the horse is dead. Okay, it is on the ground. It is dead. It has been devoured by vultures. Like, stop beating the goddamn dead horse. Okay, it's gone. I've been in enough pain. It's not necessarily at you. It's at literally everybody on Twitter who is coming up with reasons out of their butthole why there should be an asterisk next to this Habs run. It's like you were playing other teams when their best players were injured. You, The North Division, people that are still saying the North Division sucks. I'm sorry. We're taking a Stanley Cup favorite to game six and we're the ones with the lead. My other like thing that pisses me off is everyone is always saying we want a Canadian team in the cup final we want a Canadian team in the cup final we have a Canadian team within a win of getting there and all I'm seeing are excuses as to why it doesn't count if they get there and it's like pick one um anyone who thinks there should be an asterisk next to this win or this series or this Habs run whatever please for the love of God get off your high horse I feel like for a while I thought like, I'm guilty of it, too. I feel like after they won against the Leafs, I thought it was a fluke just because I'm a Leafs fan. But then, like, after the sweep against the Jets and then the sweep and then, like, just now against this series um, with, like, Vegas, I feel like their offense has gotten so much better. And I don't know, like, Nick Suzuki's doing really well. And I just – and, like, a lot of the players are doing really well. Cole Caulfield's playing, like, insanely – and I just think, like, at this point, anyone who says it's a fluke or that, like, or is making excuses for, like, the way that the, the success that the Habs are having is just, is just, like, bitter at this point. No, absolutely. I think another narrative that we're seeing, too, is everyone, like, I just saw a tweet about it. Everyone's like, oh, like, I'm not going to watch. Like, the NHL's nightmare is a Montreal-New York final in this case. Like, that is the NHL's worst nightmare. And I find that so funny, given that Montreal is an original 16 that hasn't been to the cup final since 1993. Yeah. Yet the preferable matchup would be two teams that have been to the cup final in the last two years, respectively. And I guess what that really shows is like I was talking to my dad about it is where 
is the fact that like this is a business first and foremost and they don't really care about the hockey or the storylines that they care about the bottom dollar and the bottom dollars in the American TV viewing audience. And if you don't have two American teams, they think that you're going to be missing out on a lot of money. Yes, Karina. This is awesome because I can directly link this to basketball right now. You know, usually, you sound like me. Yeah, usually it's you guys are relating basketball to hockey or football, but um, there was a lot of like flack with like now like the Lakers were out, the Warriors were out, you know, the Nets are out, all these like big teams that supposedly bring in a lot of TV ratings are out of the playoffs. And then you have small market teams like the Hawks who are still in it. But here's the thing. Last week they released data and it, the the Eastern, you know, the, the games with the Hawks and the, who was it, the Sixers had like 6 million viewers and it was like the largest in I don't know whatever time and they were putting up all these record numbers that were just kind of flat out disproving the whole thing that the NBA was like oh we need like Lakers we need the Celtics in the playoffs all these different things so in the NHL trust me like you guys will benefit from having like these teams who haven't won maybe in a while or these new names because that's what's going to be good for the sport when you're growing it with more than just, you know, your LeBron James or your Steph Curry's of NHL. Absolutely. I think that's a, a narrative that needs to be spread more because why are we just sticking to those like, quote unquote, like dynasties or quote unquote, like super teams? No, this is a league with now 32 teams, you know, it's not about the just the lightning and it's not about just the Leafs you know it's there is 32 teams in this league for a reason I'm tired of that narrative and this in turn is better for the sport also the viewership because now you're going to make money off of these underdog teams that don't get traditionally watched as much because that increases your tv ratings for the next season I just think that it's time to stop like being upset about teams who are are I guess not viewed as much on TV making it further because that's a testament to actual skill and talent as opposed to just fan bases um not to say they don't have amazing fan bases they do but like you know what I mean anyways moving on from this we're going to talk about something that is a little bit heavier Okay, so I do want to preface this with a content warning. We do talk about sexual assault in this next segment. If this is something that you are, like, not looking to hear, there will be a end time for this conversation in the description. You can just skip to that. Uh, Completely understandable. I do not blame you. So the Chicago Blackhawks are under fire right now. So an unnamed player from the 2009-2010 season came out and accused the team uh, video coach at the time of sexually assaulting him. His name is Brad Aldrich. He accused Brad Aldrich of sexually assaulting him and a teammate. Both these players are unnamed to protect their identity. They told the player, like the organization, that it was his fault that that happened. And instead of conducting an internal investigation, they literally just like, just swept it under the rug. So now there's a lawsuit against Chicago for like sweeping it under the rug, not making a big deal. 
in the court documents, it alleges that he reported the abuse to the team and it was covered up. The player also said that Aldrich threatened him via text message and other communications against making a like complaint. And then a second lawsuit was filed in May of this year by a former Michigan high school hockey player who also is identified as John Doe in the court documents to protect his identity because he was a minor at the time. And he basically alleges that because the Blackhawks covered up the abuse of those two players, and when he left the Hawks organization, they give Aldridge a shining letter of recommendation when he left the team in summer 2010. And that gave him the opportunity to go on and find other victims, which he did in Michigan. So aside from this high school, former high school player that brought it to light, Aldrich was actually convicted in 2013 of abusing a 17-year-old hockey player in Michigan. This is completely separate from the other case in Michigan. And then a year later, he resigned from his position as director of hockey operations at Miami University. He was under the suspicion unwanted touching of a male. The university's attorney told that to police and those records were, I believe, obtained by TSN. So um, police in Michigan contacted the Blackhawks organization and like their HR department for like more details on this case and the allegations. And this was to back up the police's investigation about the 17-year-old hockey player that he sexually assaulted. And they would not confirm anything about David Aldrich except for the fact that he was once an employee of the organization. And then on top of that, in an interview with TSN, a former team marketing official, also unnamed, um, said that their assistant trainer, Jeff Thomas, during the summer of 2010, had told him that Brad Aldrich sexually assaulted these two players. And it was a known fact. It was what he called an open secret. Everyone knew it happened, but it was just swept under the rug. This is a direct quote. Brad would routinely befriend young interns and invite them to his apartment in Chicago to watch March Madness basketball and other sports. I was told to steer clear of him because he had tried something at his apartment on a few players. This was not something that only a few people knew about. The entire training staff knew. A lot of people knew. This was an open secret. So this former marketing official asked for anonymity because he still works in the NHL and he fears that the league will or the Hawks organization like there'll be repercussions as a result of him talking I think this is BS because like an organization covering up sexual assault in the NHL or any any in any pro sport completely like not a new thing we've seen it time and time again but The fact that victims have to be referred to as John Doe or remain anonymous while speaking their truth as a result of fearing repercussions from the league that is supposed to protect them, I think that's bullshit. I think that because the league didn't like protect any of its players, the entire Blackhawks organization knew this happened and didn't do anything. And then like enabled him to go uh, like, 
sexually assault other minors in a different state and now there's only four cases that have been, like been brought to light but like there's more even like he there was like he said that he had tried things on other players but it hasn't just it just hasn't come out yet what do you guys think i mean this has been said before but everybody that knew everybody that participated is guilty and should be thrown out of the league and should be banned from hockey going forward like there's no there's no beating around the bush with that one this is exactly the case of the catholic church you had a priest who was starting to be suspected at one church and they sent him to another and they allowed him to continue doing it this is a marked cycle of abuse and the way that there are people that aren't actively trying to put an end to it and instead are content to just pretend that it didn't happen is disgusting appalling heartbreaking insert every negative adjective here but for the nhl to be dead silent on this not a statement not a word not a promise for a third-party investigation is an embarrassment and i don't think anyone's surprised by that because 90 percent of what this league does is an embarrassment but the silence on this says a lot more than any statement they've put out in the past ever could. And I don't think I'm alone in feeling that. Absolutely. I, I think them not only being silent about it, because this isn't new. Like, all of it came back to light after the um, former Michigan high school player filed his lawsuit. But this isn't new, this happened in the 2009-2010 season, so it's been, what, like, almost 12 years, 11, 12 years. Wow, that was really good math. Proud of myself. The fact that the organization covered it up, victim-blamed, then set him on his merry way so he could assault more people really shows the fact that they do not care about anything except for greed and money. There's only so much we can say about this. Because you get to the point where you're so frustrated that you don't have words, but you don't know what to do and you just feel so helpless because what are the odds it's actually going to get better? This just keeps happening, you know, and there needs to be change. We can say it and we can scream it from the top of our lungs, from the rooftops, there needs to be change. But until higher ups, officials, like front offices start speaking out and actually implementing that change, there is going to be no change. I mean, speaking of no change, literally, like, we talked about on this podcast, like, what was it, half an hour ago, and we said that Jason Kidd doesn't deserve to have a job. 6.54 p.m., so three minutes ago, uh, Woj from ESPN tweets, The Dallas Mavericks are closing in on hiring a new GM, and Jason Kidd has emerged as a strong frontrunner to be hired as head coach. If that alone doesn't tell you that, like, We can talk about this kind of stuff all we want, but the change is just not happening. And this, like, it's just such a blatant example of that. And and it's so hard not to be discouraged because every day things like this are happening and, you know, like abusers are still being hired um, in other places. and And it's just, it's really bad. See, it's like an ongoing cycle. It's like, I think something I go back to a lot is that Mike Babcock, it's a known fact that he abused the players like verbally and mentally. The Mitch Marner story, we've all heard it a hundred times. It's terrible what he did. And the fact that when he was fired by the Leafs, he just went on to 
head coach, like to be a head coach for the University of um, Saskatchewan, I believe it is, where he is actually directly working with athletes that are the same age as Mitch Marner was when he was like abused by Mike Babcock. It's not the same kind of abuse, but abuse is abuse. And this literally just enables abusers and not just the ones who have openly like been identified, but the ones who haven't. And it just makes them believe that no like repercussions or consequences will come of their terrible, terrible actions. And this is where like you just get, like I said, frustrated till the point like that you have no words because this change as individual people, we cannot create. We can speak out. We can do as much as we want. We're talking about it on the podcast right now. But until like actual change within front offices comes, nothing's going to change. And that is what I fear will take too long, longer than we can wait. And unfortunately, it's hard to think about, but there will be a lot of victims in the process. People who are not victims yet, but unknowingly they might be in the future. It shouldn't have to take that for change to come, but that's undoubtedly what's going to happen, and that is the upsetting truth. Okay, so moving on from this, everyone go watch, or I guess it already happened. Well, it's going to happen in an hour exactly. Vegas and the Habs. Casey's very, very excited. Fist pumping. Italian queen. Um... (laughs) future people let me know who do you think is going to win the stanley cup final do you think it's the islanders or the habs i'm calling it that's gonna be the series if i'm wrong keep it to yourself hey guys it's dua here i am editing the pod this week and i thought it was important to say that the montreal canadians have officially made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They won in a game six overtime to beat the Vegas Golden Knights. There are riot police in Montreal. There's fireworks. Everyone is going crazy. Downtown Montreal is blowing up. No one's allowed to leave the Bell Center. Casey was right. They needed to call the National Guard. But bigger than that, for the first time in 28 years, they are making it to the finals. I think this is amazing. And I'm so excited and that's coming from a Leafs fan. If you have not seen the video of Casey screaming in her living room yet, I'm in Toronto and I heard her all the way from Montreal. It is on the Unbench Twitter, so go check that out. And I will say, if you are not rooting for the Habs at this point, you're not Canadian. All right, now back to the actual pod. But now I'm gonna throw it to Casey for what everyone is talking about the euros and not football because literally nothing is happening the real football yes european football let's go all right so the group stage is over we have our round of 16 matchup set more on that later we're going to start we're going to pick up a conversation that we had last week about ronaldo and his international goal tally so he netted to against France in their final matchup, which moved him up into a tie with Ali Day from uh, in terms of like the the all time men's rankings and all time men's record. And when he did and scored that second goal that gave him the 109, 
the commentators didn't specify that he was tying the men's record. Instead, they credited him with tying the all-time international goal record, to which Christine Sinclair said, LMAO, I don't think so. So I was really impressed how TSN did emphasize both in their postgame and on their social media coverage that it was the men's record. And you would kind of hope that they would be the network to make sure that that difference was made incredibly clear because the all-time leading international goal scorer is a Canadian and it would have been really shitty for a Canadian network to discount that. So props to them on that. Again, it's giving props for breadcrumbs, but at this point, this industry seems to need it to continue to doing good things. So there you go. What I am curious is like, if you're listening from another country, what did the coverage sound like in the States and then in other international like media outlets? Because obviously with it being a Canadian network here and the leading goal scorer being a Canadian, you would kind of hope to see that. But I'm curious as to what the American and international coverage kind of gave him credit for, given what he was doing. But yeah, so that was fun. And I'm excited to see if he finds the back of the net again. Unfortunately for Portugal, they get out of the group of death and they go into a round of 16 of ultimate death with them having to play Belgium. So I think it'll take a couple goals for him to have a chance to score even more. But again, more on that later. So just a little update on our gendering sports and records conversations. Okay, so the group stage was over and I have a few final thoughts that nobody asked for, but I'm going to give them to you anyways. And you're listening for this to this podcast. So you did this to yourself. Number one, Spain. What you doing? Because because I don't know what you call that group performance, but I call it shameful to the history of Spanish soccer. You yes, they they won a game five nothing. It was also against Slovakia. One of the goals was the Slovakian goalie punching the ball into his own net for no apparent reason. If you didn't win that game 5 nothing, I would like have even more questions. But you tied Sweden. Okay, You, you tied Ikea. 0-0. Zero, zero. You tied a country who builds furniture. Zero. You couldn't score on an Ikea instruction manual. Excuse me? So there was that. It's just their second game was so frustrating to watch because their attack was just so boring. Like there was no creativity. There was no vice. There was nothing. I like, I'm not a Spanish fan, but just to watch it and remember the days of Xavi and Iniesta and this incredible, calm, composed, creative attack to see what it turned into was like mind boggling. So yeah, to watch their game against Poland and have them lose that. And it was just so head scratching. And then they round off the group stage with sure, like a characteristic performance in the scoreline. But again, like their play was, it's been so inconsistent and so off from what you would expect. And sure, maybe now they're just like out of their golden generation, but they have to face Croatia next. And sure, Croatia didn't look all that impressive in the group stage, but Croatia is coming off being runners up in the World Cup. And Luka Modric showed that he can take a game and win it single-handedly. And I don't think Spain has anyone that can do that. I don't think they have anyone that really stands out in their lineup. So I'm like, I just, what are y'all doing? Their nickname translated is the Red Fury. And I've seen no fury. I've seen no fire. Um, I see a team that Honestly, some moments looks like they'd rather be drinking sangria, which I don't blame you. It's looked hot. And I would also prefer to be drinking sangria than watching your games sometimes. Moving on. England. God, I hate this team. 
we're talking about how my Montreal Canadiens are doing well. The English national soccer team is genuinely the most frustrating sport experience on planet Earth. You invented the game, you taught it to other people, and then you forgot how to play the goddamn game. And what is so frustrating with this team is they go through qualifying and they look like they're not even breaking a sweat and they're winning left, right, and center. And then you get to games that actually matter and they go out and they tie Scotland. How do you tie Scotland? It's the land of the haggis. And you invented this one. That game, they got booed by their own fans and they deserved it. They unfortunately have to play Germany in the round of 16. And any English fans will know this is bringing on a large bout of PTSD from the last time these two teams faced off where there were no English substitutions, despite the fact that they were being run ragged all over the pitch. I am horrified for what this final scoreline is going to say. My only like consolation is that Germany has looked royally inconsistent themselves, but England is just like, I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know why I was expecting this tournament to be any different. They're as frustrating as they ever have been. And yeah, I just, I, I have no positives to say other than Mason Mount and Gatlin Phillips have played well, but it's going to be two, them two versus all of Germany. So good luck to us. On a more positive note, Denmark, the fairy tale, they finished second in their group and I'm so happy for them. After they lost to Finland, which was not supposed to, ha- no one was supposed to lose to Finland. Finland was not supposed to be there. But they lost to Finland and you couldn't blame them. They watched their cap or their best player literally die and be brought back to life on the field and they come out and they put on the performance of all performances in their last game and they do enough to move themselves up into second in the group and miraculously because it's a fairy tale I don't know but they draw against Wales for the round of 16 and sure on paper Denmark probably won't be the favorite to come out of that that is about as winnable of a matchup as you're gonna get in these knockout stages so I don't know. I'm feeling another Iceland-esque run, and I'm excited to see what the Danish version of the skull clap will be. And finally, my final, final thought, the group of death. My God, that was honestly some of the most entertaining soccer I've seen. And everyone who's like soccer is boring, please go watch the highlights from this group. On the last day, when both games were happening at the same time, the standings changed four times. There were four different instances of what the next round could look like with every single goal essentially that was happening in this round and what made it even more fun is everyone looked at this and said this is a group of death because of France Portugal and Germany and yes that's fair no one gave Hungary any it was like Hungary wasn't even at the tournament they were nobody was talking about them and insert Michael Jordan meme of I took that personally because they came in and they're like all right you don't want to talk about this We're going to fuck up all of your tournaments and make your lives a living hell. Sound good? Sound good. Hungary were a nightmare to play against. They they were not letting anyone get like footing on the ground. They weren't letting anyone feel comfortable at any point. And it was so fun to watch. And I say that probably because I had no emotional investment in any of the other three teams. So it's a lot easier to cheer for the underdog. I'm sure if they were playing England, I'd be cursing them left, right and center right now. But they weren't. So I had fun watching them play spoiler. And unfortunately, they fell just, just short of like really spoiling it and keeping any of the three teams out of the next round. But honestly, if I'm hungry, I'm going home and I'm like really proud of the performance that 
they put on, um, which speaking of Hungary, we just, we, we need to talk about this really quick. It's not my notes, but during the Euros, Hungary passed legislation that made it illegal to show people under the age of 18 anything that insinuates homosexuality. So it is one of the strictest and toughest crackdowns in terms of anti-gay legislation that we've seen in recent memory in terms of like what if we're looking at laws that have been passed within the last like 10, 15 years, this is up there with one of the harshest and one of the most divisive. And obviously, like I'm not sitting here insinuating that the Hungarian national soccer team had anything to do with it. They didn't. But it just so happens that they are Budapest is one of the host cities for this tournament. And it just so happens that there are three teams that are playing against Hungary. And there are three teams that happen to apparently think quite progressively. So we first saw Manuel Neuer wear a rainbow armband. Also, it's June. It's Pride Month. So let's let that sink in as well. Um, Manuel Neuer was wearing a rainbow armband as Germany's captain. And after that happened, UEFA, who gave a team who watched their best player die on the field four hours before playing again, launched an investigation into this armband and into what it stood for. And Twitter ran them through the mud to the point where 24 hours later, they were like, LOL, JK, we're dropping it. It never happened. We're sorry. Bye-bye. Twitter does not forget. So when Germany requested, so basically the way that the last um, like day of group matches played out, both Germany and Hungary are hosting games. They're both Munich and Budapest are host cities. But seeing as they were playing each other, like one team wasn't going to be playing at home. So France and Portugal were playing in Budapest and um, Germany and Hungary were playing in Munich. So the German Football Association requested, and I think that is like a sticking point here because they had to request it after the investigation about the armband, they requested to light up their arena and rainbow lights. So if you've never seen the um, stadium that they're playing at in Germany, it looks like a giant nest and it's all white. Like it's just a solid like white structure. It's like square, very, very, it's like a canvas. And there were pictures that were released of what that stadium would look like in rainbow lights. And it's like, cool, it's pretty. It's also the outside of the stadium and it would have happened after the game was played. UEFA said no. And UEFA had the audacity to turn around and be like, people think we said no because we're anti blah, 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 blah. And UEFA basically said that we said no because we don't want this to become political because of the fact that Hungary was playing there. UEFA is the one that made it political deeper than it had to be, whereas Germany was simply looking to make a statement that like, hey, look, we don't hate gay people because apparently Hungary does. But in none of this, was there ever a call out? Was there ever a direct like attack? Was there ever anything that brought politics into it other than the insinuation that is natural to make after Hungary passes those kinds of laws? So all of that and UEFA's questionable decisions in the matter have led to um, the Dutch captain. So Hungary um, isn't going through, but they still get to host a round of 16 games. So they're hosting the matchup against um, Netherlands, or that's between the Netherlands and the Czech Republic. So the Dutch captain, and I'm going, I'm going to butcher his name, okay? There are a lot of consonants, and I'm a white person. This will not end well. However, Jorginho is his first name. I can do that. The Italian in me can do that. I'm not even going to try his last name. The Dutch captain came out with a statement today or was asked today 
on their willingness to walk off the pitch in their quarterfinal matchup or round of 16 matchup. And this is what he said. I'm going to read this to you verbatim because I think this is everything that we've been asking athletes to do. And once again, soccer players are showing that they're the only ones that have a global lens and aren't only thinking about straight white male privilege NHLers. So he came out and his response to the question was, one love means everybody is a part of it and everybody should be free to be who they are. In our opinion, the right to be yourself has been encroached upon. As players, we have a podium to do whatever we can to help. UEFA should be out there to protect the players and make the decision. It should not be left to the players. Players often get punished for protecting themselves, so UEFA needs to take a lead role in this. So that was his response to their willingness to walk off the field because they've come out and said that he will be wearing a rainbow-colored captain's armband during the game. And he also stated that him and his team have had conversations and they would be willing to walk off the field if UEFA doesn't protect them from abuse. And the abuse is very likely. We've seen England fans boo their own team for taking a knee to acknowledge racism in their own building. So we're now sticking a building full of fans who presumably at least 25% were in favor of this whole thing or aren't outraged by it. And you're putting people in front of them that are openly contesting it. So there will be some form of garbage thoughts comments opinions i don't understand what they get out of limiting who is allowed to be themselves what what i'm trying to say here and i i didn't do so gracefully is who are they to decide i mean like it's just like i literally cannot form sentences right now because it just baffles me i think what i'm trying to say here is that and I'm gonna hate myself while I'm editing but I just they're literally making it political by saying no because why was it a political matter to begin with it shouldn't have to be rights for everyone whether they like women or men or you know non-binary whoever you choose to love that should not be a political matter. Whoever you are and whoever you choose to love and be in a relationship with or are attracted to, that is not a political thing. That is just being a human being. All of this, them saying no, them like objecting and re- like starting a, what was it called? Um, an investigation over an armband during Pride Month. I'm sorry, that's making it political. Don't come out and say that you didn't do this because you're homophobic, but you did it because you didn't want to make it political. No, just straight up say it like you're homophobic. You are pushing a very straight cisgender narrative right now. That's exactly what you're doing. You're saying that the fact that people want to support the LGBTQ community is political and you saying there's a problem with that is homophobic why can't you let people love who they want to love they're not bothering you it's a human right i'm sorry i literally just can't like there's literally no way to defend this because by like it's just i'm sorry it's just frustrating me a lot and just like hearing that sucks because it it's hard to have to fight for your right to exist and I don't know, maybe I'm just hypersensitive because, you know, obviously, but 
I hate that my right to exist or any other person's right to exist is considered to be a political statement or even like arguable something people can get booed on or get an investigation started or just be denied to light up their goddamn stadium i like the world and i say this literally every week the world is not as progressive as it claims to be it's disgusting and i hope that it's not always gonna be like this because i don't want to live fearing that for the rest of my life yeah no those are all very important points and I think another thing to point out here is when the captain said that, you know, you, like is he's holding was holding UEFA accountable and saying that they need to protect them from that abuse. And I think that's so important when you have players calling out, you know, the their own like league or the own like organization or whatever it is, because that's the thing, like a lot of these organizations in the highest power, they need to be held accountable. Like accountability is a huge theme from this past like year year and a half now and so it's just it's so disheartening to see and I know that like in in Europe it's not progressive at all around the LGBTQ community and like I, I speak from that from like from experience like I know like back home it's not as progressive as you might think it is here and it's just it's so like do I like just like you said like it gets to the point where it's like I don't know what to say anymore because it just it baffles me and I really don't understand how you know a human issue like this just becomes so political and that it's so controversial like I just don't understand why it's so controversial why who you love it it just doesn't make sense to me I think it's also important to note that UEFA was willing and able to protect like in quotations protect the Hungarian team because their country is so blatantly homophobic has passed the biggest piece of anti-LGBTQ legislation in like modern history and they were able to protect the country but they weren't able to protect players that are standing up for human rights. Because yes, LGBTQ rights are human rights. I think that is disgusting. And if you really think about it, like, how fucked up is that? I'm sorry. That's fucked up. Was it also, I feel like not that long ago, like maybe a few days ago, um, was it the Las Vegas Raiders in NFL? Yes. One of their players yes. came out as gay as well. Um, and it was the best coming out video. I've watched it like 16 times. Like, it just, it makes my heart, so I, I know we say the NFL is like a desert and completely slipped my mind because that shouldn't count as news. It should not be breaking news that someone is like, oh, by the way, like, I like men. Like, okay, cool, great. I don't have to come out as straight. Why does he have to come out as gay? But that's a whole different conversation that no one's ready for yet. Straight pride is not a thing. Please, PSA, right? Straight pride is not a thing. You do not get oppressed, hated on. You don't have legislation against you. You don't get murdered. You don't get lynched. Most days I'm embarrassed to be straight, to be honest. So I don't know why anyone's proud of this shit. Only liking men? Embarrassing. Yeah, I would be embarrassed too. Can't relate though. Sorry, Sebastian. I love you. Yeah, I think they just announced that. uh, I saw like an article about his NFL jersey is like the top selling one since he's come out which i think is pretty cool i just wanted to 
put that out there. I know that like, yeah, there's a lot of shit that like that they go through and it's like so it's very upsetting and disturbing. And I like everything that Dua said, like 100%. But this is like something good that I thought I'd just put on the pod since it's been really heavy this episode. Yeah. And I think Dua made a really good point. It's like they're protecting the Hungarian players who nobody's attacked yet. Like no one's done anything to them. It's really like everything is a response to what their country has done. But them as a team, which is the body that UEFA is supposed to be concerned with like you're not the UN why are you concerned with country politics like protect your players I don't know just a concept no one's done anything to them and from what I've seen they've all been very quiet on the legislation which honestly I think is probably in their best interest because if like I don't know the political situation in Hungary but if it's anything like a legislation like this would suggest like I like I said I think it's in their best interest to stay quiet whether because you don't want to speak out against this government or like if you're in agreement with it god please do not say that out loud on the internet ever um, those are inside voice thoughts but yeah I just I I don't love what UEFA is doing I don't really know what UEFA is doing I I did want to mention that like the NFL is posting like on their Instagram posted a picture of him Plus, like, all the tweets that other players had, like, sent out in support of him. And the fact that that had to happen. Because, A, like, I just think that when leagues as a whole do that, it's really performative. They did just donate, like, I believe it's $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which is amazing. Um, Literally amazing. Love that. But, like, let's not forget that this didn't have to be a big deal and it's amazing that it is a big deal and that noise is being made and there is awareness and support amazing but why is it a big deal because something someone coming out is very normal someone being gay is very normal the nfl like had to do that post because and like this is the one time you're gonna catch me defending the nfl for not being performative it's america's biggest sport yeah and we, I don't even think I'm being controversial by saying this, there are a lot of fucking homophobes in America who watch football. So I think by the NFL posting it to their page with messages of support from other players, I think the intention there was A, obviously like this is NFL news or the NFL social page, like it's kind of their job. But I think a secondary intention or benefit is maybe one homophobe sees it and is like oh my favorite player is cool with it like me like there's there's the possibility for it to create a thought-provoking instance and that backed by the donation I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that this is the one thing that they're not being performative on but I also think how they protect him this season moving forward from fans who won't have their hearts changed by anything I think that is going to be where we can tell kind of where their like feelings on this truly lie no and I completely agree I think what I'm trying to say is the the sentiment of it being a big deal and being something not normal is what is astounding it exists yeah for sure but I think it also is a big deal because he is the first active player Mm -hmm. and like that in and of like inherently when you're the first to do anything 
it is a big deal, especially in a world that is so hyper masculinized. Oh, absolutely. Hyper toxic, hyper everything that is anti something that isn't a straight white male. I think that is also what makes this like, and I think with this, like everyone that comes out subsequently, it won't be a big deal. But someone had to break the glass. And a lot of people are saying, what about Michael Sam? Michael Sam never played a down in the NFL. He was drafted as openly gay. And that was a big step. But he never played a down in the NFL. This is someone who's established in the league. Mm -hmm. Sure, like some people have never heard of him. But he's played for teams that aren't necessarily massive markets. But he's the first actively out NFL player. And that was going to be, whoever it was, that was going to be a big deal. Because... Like I said, when you're the first of anything, especially in the thing that America loves most, football, like they're going to make it a big deal. No, absolutely. But I think this being a big deal and it's like, I will say right now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a, it's a big deal. I think it raised a lot of awareness and like the donations and I just think it, it is amazing. But I think every single one after this shouldn't have to be a big deal because making a Big, making a big deal out of it is what denormalizes it like you know absolutely yeah um that's that's actually a really good point because a league that ha- that's been doing a good job of this is the WNBA they have they've lots been of- doing a good job of everything yeah like j- just copy them in terms of dealing with social issues can they create like a document send it to everyone because that shit needs to be like public information make a google drive make it a spreadsheet make it happen there are so drive all the commissioners everyone (laughs) in one google oh my gosh could you imagine that could be a reality and tv show in and of itself so many so many players in the league and you know coaches staff they are part of the lgbtq community and it is a normal thing like there are teams that have partners playing on it together and it's just become a normalized thing. So I think that now, like with the NFL, like Duo, like you said, like the first one, yeah, it's a big deal. But everyone after that, it is going to start to become normalized. And, you know, even the Liberty tonight, like tonight is Pride Night for them. And they their hashtag is Own the Crown. And they've like modified it tonight to be Own Your Pride. Um, and so just things like that. I, like, I think it's, it's, it's so nice to see that there is a league where this is normalized. And that kind of gives me hope for other leagues kind of follow suit I think though like that in general women's leagues are just so much better at this than men's leagues because even I think it was right after Nasib came out or right before um but a player from Louisville in the NWSL came out as a trans man and it wasn't a big deal and that's what was so incredible is sure like they earned recognition and when Biden put out a tweet acknowledging the SIB, they also mentioned Yoko, but it wasn't a big deal. And that could be because there already is someone who identifies as trans in the NWSL, Canadian icon Quinn, who made the Olympic team, and I'm so happy for them. But Yoko even credited Quinn and a sweater that they were wearing pregame. And I forget exactly what the sweater said, but Yoko, when they made their announcement, said, I saw Quinn wearing it and I realized why am I holding back? And I just think like that is such an encouraging example of what it can create because maybe the NWSL posted, I don't think the NWSL social accounts even acknowledged it. And like, yes, please ignore it because it's not a big deal. 
and it makes me just so excited also to see it come from an international player in an American league just adds like a little bit of like extra like okay we're actually making like real progress on at least one side of the sports world I feel like also um it's it is amazing to see that like there are leagues in sports that um where like that kind of thing is normalized um and that it doesn't have to be a big deal I think also I think you have to look at the demographic as well of the people who watch those sports in those leagues and um I don't think that it's yeah again like Casey said um it's not a controversial opinion to say that like the NFL has a lot of homophobic fans and I think that anyone who watches the WNBA or the women's soccer league are just they're just cooler and that's I think because we talked about trans players I do have to bring up that there's a lot of stuff going around especially in California about trans girls playing girl sports let trans girls play girl sports because they are girls let trans boys play boy sports because they are boys you're literally going backwards if you don't and I I think the fact that you have to isolate someone like that because of the gender they choose to identify with and limit them to the gender they were assigned at birth is disgusting you're not protecting anyone it has been used as the excuse of because trans girls were assigned male at birth they get an unfair advantage at during girl sports not only is that a sexist because you're saying that boys are better at sports than girls that is also discriminatory towards the gender that the individual identifies with i think that's gross that being said we're gonna move on back to the euros but one thing i do want to say before is and it's something i'll say till the day i die gay is good i love gay there's the episode title gay is good we love gay but no, the Orlando Pride in their on their Pride Night game, their pregame was dedicated to kind of sharing their opinion and, and having their voices be heard on the issue of all this anti-trans legislation. And Ashlyn Harris spoke so passionately in her postgame presser that I implore you to go find the highlights. I covered it in my piece for Venus. Um, I touched on what they did earlier, so I can link that if you want to kind of get a feel of what they're doing. But because Florida is also, you know content to move backwards at full steam uh i was really touched and impressed by the way that they handled that but anyways back to euros which is where this conversation started believe it or not we are going to go through the round of 16 rapid fire and i need you guys to give me your picks to win each matchup without thinking like we're we're going we're going fast and then i have like two other questions afterwards but you would like to play in my rapid fire game take yourself off mute so you can throw an answer at me yeah ron is gonna win the euros okay spectacular um that better be in the archives all right game one wales denmark 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 all right game two italy austria italy 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 game three netherlands czech republic netherlands i'm gonna go with czech republic i'm also gonna go with czech oh Interesting. Interesting. I, I am. I can't pronounce the other team properly. <laughs> I, uh, I'm gonna take the Netherlands in this one. Thanks, Case. You're welcome. All right, 
this sh this could easily in any other tournament be the final. But this is a round of 16 game. Belgium, Portugal. Belgium. I'm going to go Belgium. Belgium, yeah. I'm also going to go Belgium. Croatia, Spain. Croatia. Spain. Croatia. Croatia. France, Switzerland. France. France. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> France. Switzerland doesn't have a shot. Uh, England, Germany. 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 Sorry, Germany. Casey. Germany. <laughs> Germany, and they could win with like nine players. All right, the battle of the matching color palettes. Are you ready? Last one, Sweden, Ukraine. Sweden. Ukraine. I'm going to go Ukraine too. I'm going to go Sweden because the winner of that gets the winner of the England-Germany game. And on the off chance that England win, I want an England-Sweden <laughs> game purely for the Ikea jokes. All right. <laughs> so out of those matchups, who do you think is best positioned to pull off an upset? I feel like... It could be Croatia, just because, like, Spain is not playing great at the moment. Um, is that is that a fair assumption? Yeah. Or okay. But I said Spain because I think it would be the upset the other way around because everyone expects Croatia to do good because Spain is doing terrible. So it's like a reverse uno. I will mute you. Mind games. <laughs> Hashtag analysis love it <laughs> oh, gosh. i think i'm gonna go with my upset team being denmark and sure they're not playing a very good team like wales is gareth bale and 10 other guys but the way that denmark went from like everyone was like yep they're going out and it's completely fine to finishing second in their group like i'm not betting against them no absolutely. anytime soon and even if that's naive of me, I want them to win for Christian Eriksen. Like this team has been through hell and back. Let them at least get to the quarterfinals. All right, next. Denmark to the finals. Oh my gosh, bored. Who has the easiest matchup? Could we say Italy? Yes. Just cause, yeah. Just cause Austria. I'm gonna say, and this is solely to piss. I knew this was coming. Uh, the man off. France has the easiest matchup. I mean, given Switzerland's group play, it might not be far off. Yeah, I was going to say that too. It might not be far Granted, if France's goalie punches another player in the face, accidentally, I oh, need God. to put, um, then allegedly. maybe not. Allegedly, Hugo Lloris punched someone in the face. I'm going to go with the easiest matchup going to Germany because England has a fun habit of staying home for elimination games which will be even more embarrassing given that this game is in england like they if england fall behind i give the boo birds five minutes until they land like this crowd is done being patient with this team and uh i don't play i will be booing from here all right and then to wrap up our euro matchup with another fun little bet that we've got going on the own goal watch currently oh, yeah. we sit at seven meaning that Krina has been eliminated from contention. Dun, dun, dun. So all of you that went on our original post and said that you thought she was going to be the closest, suck it. She's Literally, out. that's what I was going to say. I saw all the Krina. I saw all those comments. Everyone's on team Krina. No. And I will say, I wanted to say 10. And in my head, and I was going to bring this up when Casey said 10, but I didn't because I wanted to take away Casey's moment. Um, I'm generous like that. 
I wanted to say 10 in my head I thought 10 but you know me I don't watch soccer I didn't know if that was like too far of a guess and it'd be one of my stupid guesses on this pod that don't end up happening and it was just one of those things that I say that everyone ignores because it was so stupid so I said nine you know and then here we are so I'm just gonna hop on the Casey train for like I do with most things So yeah, we currently sit at seven own goals after just the group stages, meaning we have all of the elimination games left to hit double digits. Yes, Karina. No, you do not get to reevaluate your decision. (laughs) Okay, hypothetically, and like I mean this to like to the max. Like let's say we don't, Karina. Huh, Karina? What? Hypothetically, if we don't get another own goal for the rest of the tournament, do I technically win? Fine. Okay. But at the rate we're going, that is a very large hypothetical. Um, I gotta get really lucky like the Raptors. Yeah, basically. Um, So we've seen a goalie punch the ball into his own net. I was gonna say, I will literally fly across the pond to punch a ball into a net, okay? Like, I will do a one-day contract with a team for no money. Actually, I'll pay them to, like, (laughs) sign me so I can punch a ball into the net so Karina is wrong. Karina, wrong about own goals and Trey Young. I'm getting slandered by my best friends on my favorite podcast. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to the club. This is usually me. That's true. That's true. How the turntables. Um, so yeah, we've seen a goalie punch a ball into his own net. We've seen defenders beating their own keeper. And we've also seen just a lot of general clumsiness from both back lines, keepers, and everyone involved so i'm excited to see what the next own goal is i just hope it's not one that eliminates england though with their luck it will be so yeah that wraps up our euro coverage and apparent side topic into homophobia okay so for overtime we'll just do like a really quick little jays update because i think we all want to watch the game in like 13 minutes um so, like, hey, last week, I know that I said that I was, like, I was really upset and, like, salty at the Toronto Blue Jays because they were playing really badly, um, and the bullpen was just, like, the worst thing ever. But because the team – because in baseball, the teams play so often, and so, like, every week they probably average, like, five to six games. Things change really, really quickly, and – so now the Toronto Blue Jays are on a four-game winning streak with 37 wins and 35 losses. And at the time of recording, we're starting a four-game series with the Orioles tonight, and they're arguably like the worst team in the league. So I'm expecting this winning streak to continue. Things are looking pretty good. Robbie Ray is also looking very, very good right now with a five to one strikeouts to walks ratio. And it's a huge difference from last year. In 2020, Ray had 45 walks and 68 strikeouts. And so far in 2021, he has 20 walks to 103 strikeouts. And he's already pitched more innings this season than he did last season. So the fact that his walks are so much lower already is a very cute look for him. In other Jays news, George Springer is back. Um, he has a day off today, but he played the last two games. And this time I feel like I believe that he could actually be playing for a while because people were saying like, he looks the healthiest he's ever been and all of it. 
Um, happened right before my birthday. I wore a Springer jersey on my birthday. Posted a picture, tagged him, George Springer. Go like and comment. Thanks. Love you. Yeah, it was the best timing. George Springer, if you ever, if you are watching, or I mean listening, uh, wish do a happy birthday. Also, Alec Manoa was suspended for five games. Um, he was like literally the young, like the new young guy. He was suspended for five games for intentionally, I say that with quotation marks in my hands, intentionally throwing. Allegedly. Throwing at a Baltimore player. So he like hit one of the batters and the umpires were just kind of like, yeah, this was on purpose because he gave up back-to-back runs before that happened. But also Manoa, like if you look at his track record in the minor leagues, he throws that ball wildly all the time. Like he's, he hits batters all the time. And the only reason why he was suspended was because they think it was intentional. So I feel like you could chalk that up to like bad umpiring, but that's just my opinion. Also, like, what do you guys think about the fact that like, it's literally like you, there's no proof. Like he, Manoa's appealing that, that suspension because there's literally no proof that like he did that on purpose. So I don't know how, like, I, I, mean, like, I don't know. I remember seeing the initial thing, like right before he was suspended and everyone was like, you can't suspend him for that. Like you can't, he, he was having a shit game. Like, honestly, he probably couldn't have hit someone if he tried to. So the fact that he did hit someone, it's like, there's no way. And I just find it so funny how in baseball you can suspend people for something that you literally can't prove. Like you're literally like playing God. You're like, no, you're doing this because I said so. And it's like, well, you can't, you can't suspend them and suspend them for an action if you can't prove that that action was true. Like what? I hate the MLB. This week on Casey's Annoyed with Baseball. This week on We hate major league sports. We hate all the organizations. The NBA, the MLB, the NHL, UEFA. We hate all of them. Screw them. Who needs them? Well, we do because that's our job. But we don't like them. Anyways, continue. Yeah, I mean, that kind of wraps things up. I told you it was going to be. Who was that guy who, like, took his pants off? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I guess speaking of, like, hating freaking umpires... Um, the pitchers are so mad about the like new sticky, sticky substance like suspension rule. And so I think it was Max Scherzer. Uh, I think that was him. There were like two encounters. Let me just check. There was, there was the first guy, the first one to have. I'm sorry, this happened twice? Like yeah, two pitchers? It, pitchers, are, pitchers are pressed. Hold on, let me just find it. I think the first guy who like and i remember them posting it the first guy was like actually respectful about it took his hat off showed them his glove they said they wanted to check his belt he's like do you want me to take it off they were like no it's okay and he went on with his day great and i wish it was just like that but no and the thing is karina tweeted about it and karina tweeting about baseball you know there's something wrong yeah it was sergio romo for oakland um he's not even a starting pitcher he was a reliever but they wanted to check for like sticky stuff and that's who took his pants off he took his hat um, off his belt off took his pants off <laughs> like don't be a dick it's literally they were so extra about it wait but i saw a really funny comment someone said that if 
if pitchers are going to continue to take their pants off during games and maybe they should start then maybe I should start watching baseball is what someone said <laughs> yeah because they always have nice butts somehow oh my god but... it's called baseball butt all right baseball players have nice butts it's not fair maybe I should start playing baseball Casey's like okay <laughs> I need to cut, cut the episode now okay and with that yeah we're wrapping up overtime uh okay so hand it to whoever's closing off i mean i don't think there's a better note to end an episode that accidentally got heavy than baseball but so go hopefully there's more stripping in the mlb today i hope you enjoy it if not go yell at uefa or homophobic NFL we've given you lots of people to be mad at so you can either do that or just go enjoy some grown men taking their pants off because they're angry actually contrary to popular belief the MLB is not an exclusive line of strip clubs I thought it was after seeing the few highlights but breaking news on Wall Street Journal today anyways we've been ballbusters this has been episode 13 bye